Amen. 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 How many believes that God has a word for the church? Amen. God always has a word for the church. Amen. You know what we come here for? We come here for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. We come here for the edifying of the saints. Now, some people think that church is the end all, but we come to church to be with those of like precious faith. Amen. We hear from the Lord. Our faith is built up. And then we take what we've heard here and we go apply it out there. Amen. That was always the will of God. That was always what God wanted us to do. Amen. If we just keep it in here, then we're like the man that was given one talent and just hid it in the ground. And, and uh, the Lord was very wroth with him. I don't know about you, but I'm not real thrilled about the thought of having the creator of the universe angry at me. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 38. Not a, uh, not a obscure story this morning, one that you're familiar with. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. While you're turning there, if you don't have your Bibles with you, it will be on the screen. As always, I want everybody to bring their Bibles to church. Amen. While you're turning there, just let me say um, one of the things that we do want to focus on in the near future is we want to get our Sunday school back up and running. Amen. But we want to do it safely. I got an amen over here. Amen. And so, Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered her and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but the one thing, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning on this topic, and this is just what I felt to bring to the pulpit this morning. I want to talk to you on this topic, needful things. Needful things. How many here this morning, and let me see by a show of hands, how many here this morning has ever used the term, I would but I'm just too busy. I would, but I'm just too busy. I was going to come and visit, but I've just been too busy. Uh, I was going to text you back, but I've just been too busy. Uh, Brother Caden, I saw that you, I saw on my phone this morning that you called me, but I was too busy this morning. <laughs> Getting ready for work, or getting ready, well, at work, church. Uh, honey, I wanted to get that done around the house, but I've just been too busy. 
I've been wanting to spend some more time with you, but I've just been so busy. I saw that you called last night. I meant to call you back, but I've just been so busy. How many of us have ever said at least one of those things? Amen. Amen. You see, the funny thing about time is it turns out that time is a commodity for each of us that, that, that you can't put a price on. If you have somebody come and do some work on, on your, your car, your house, or whatever, a lot of time they, they charge you for their time. But the time that you and I have every day, it, it's a commodity that, that, that we can't put a price on and, and that we seemingly can't get enough of in one day. How many have ever made the, the comment, and I've, I'm sure I've been guilty of this here recently, oh, if I just had about five more hours in the day, I could get everything done that I needed to get done. I've made that. I've made, maybe some of you said, oh, if I just had eight more hours in the day, I could probably get everything done that I need to. And you know the truth of the matter is, is if you had eight more hours, you probably still wouldn't get everything done you need to get done. But that's the way it seems. Amen. Because time is something that is just so valuable to us, and it seems to be something that, that we don't have enough of. Amen. Now, you would think this morning that as technology advances, you would think that we would have more time, that, that things would, would get easier. But what we have saw is that as, as technology advances, Time accelerates to keep up with the ever-changing world that we live in. It seems, I mean, here we are, we got these smartphones, smarter than me, I guess, and, and, and we're, we're so connected to the world, and yet we're so completely disconnected with everybody else around us. And so, even as technology advances, time actually speeds up, it seems, to... to uh, accommodate the changing technology. Let me ask you this this morning. Is it just me, or is there anybody else here this morning that feels like the years have sped up, that the seasons have sped up? I mean, I know it's common, Sister Wilma, for us to go, oh, it's the end of September. Where did September go? Because many of us are busy. But if you look back, just go back 12 months, or maybe uh, two years, how many of us would actually say it really feels like time has accelerated? And I know, I know when we hit a certain age, and I, I've been guilty of saying this to my kids. I said this to our son after he graduated. I said, well, time's going to fly now. It may have took you forever to get to graduation, but time is going to fly now. So it's not really just about age. But we really, I think we all share this feeling that time has actually sped up. And let me tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, it really has. It really has. Mark chapter 13, verses 19 and 20, this is what, uh, this is what Jesus says. He's talking about the end times. He says, for in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, Neither shall be. He said, there's going to come affliction like we've never seen, and the world will never see it again. And then he says this in verse 20. He says, except the Lord shortened those days, those days of affliction, no flesh. Everybody say, no flesh. No flesh should be saved. That includes us. But here's what he says. He says, but for the elect's sake, that's the church, 
That's the church. Those, that's those that's born again. Before the elect's sake whom He hath chosen, He hath shortened the days. I've heard many arguments on this. I've heard people say, oh, well, if the days were actually shortened, then our watches would react differently. But that's not true. Time is relative. So if God chooses to shorten the days, everything else falls in line. It's all relative. And I believe, and I think maybe you would agree with me, that the days are shorter. The weeks are shorter. The years are shorter. God has sped up time. Why? Because we are truly living in the end time. If there's anybody here this morning that doesn't believe that we're living in the end time, you've been cruising on cruise control with your eyes closed. Because that's where we are. And so I truly do believe, and I've believed it for a long time. I believe it's been going on for a long time. God has shortened the days for the elect's sake. Amen. Because perilous times, just like the Apostle Paul said, perilous times are coming. Well, perilous times are here. But more perilous times are coming. Amen. And so... In our lives today, our busy lives, and that's a lot of people talk about, oh, we have busy lives. In our busy lives today, there seems to be no shortage of things that demand our time. There seems to be no shortage of things that, that keep us busy, our jobs. If, if, if you work a full-time job, then you're working a 40-hour work week. Um, hey, the economy's rebounding. Things have been good. Our, our company's hiring. Uh, there's departments in our, our company that's working 10-hour shifts right now, uh, sometimes 12-hour shifts. Amen. And so if you work a full-time job, our, our jobs can take up our time. Sometimes they mandatory Saturdays, Brother Larry. I, I've even seen some places try to mandatory Sundays. So jobs can, can demand our time. Family. Family demands our time. Being a husband or a, or a father or, or a grandma, grandpa, it demands our time. Children need things. Our family needs our attention. Sometimes kids need discipline. Sports. And then, then we gotta, we got to spend time together. That's important. It's important to find time to spend with our family. Amen. Marriage. Marriage takes time. Marriage is something that you got to work on every single day. Amen. Amen. You have to give time to your marriage. You have to give time to, to your, your wife, to your husband. Amen. Uh, Sister Puckett has had a rough go the past couple of weeks, and so uh, she was uh, not in feeling all that great yesterday, and, and so I decided she, was, um, she wanted to just, just sort of... Uh, lay in bed and, and watch a, a girl movie, uh, chick flicks as we call them around our house. Uh, and, and so I said, okay, well, after I got everything done, I, I just grabbed a book. I wasn't all that interested in watching, uh, but I just grabbed a book and went in there and I just wanted to spend time with her. I just wanted to, and I just laid in the bed and read while, uh, while, she, was, while she was watching the movie. Amen. But I, I, I just, it was important for me, Brother Joel, to spend time with her. Amen. Hobbies. Hobbies. Volunteer work. Maybe social functions. All of these different things that demand our time. And ministry. If you have a ministry, ministry demands a lot of time. I was joking with my wife last night. I said, I actually work two full-time jobs. 
Amen. I, I have one in Eaton. I have one in Brookville. But the fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, there's, there's many things in our lives that compete for our time. And there's many people in our lives that truly do depend on us. Amen. There's things in our lives that, that keep us busy. And this is what I really want us to understand this morning. There's a lot of things in our lives that demand our time. And a lot of things that keep us busy... But a lot of times, these are things that add no value to our lives. Amen. Now, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. These are things uh, that we, we busy ourselves with, but we never get a return out of them comparable to what we invest in them. What I'm trying to say this morning is that there's just some things in our lives, uh, our lives that are time stealers. Amen. There's just some things in our lives that are distractions. There's a lot of distractions in the world today. Amen. We, we, we have our phones. We have the news feed. We, politics are, are, are just off the rails right now. There's so many distractions. And there's often times that, that we place value on these things and we say that it's a priority while we neglect the things that are truly needful. Amen. Let me ask you this this morning. How many times, how many times have you ever put off something that's truly important because we felt like we just wanted to get something else done first? I'll give you a few examples. How many times have you, you said to yourself, uh, well, I'm gonna, my, my, my kitchen's a mess. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in the kitchen and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this done and then I'll go read my Bible. Or maybe you've said to yourself, um, boy, that, that lawn's really driving me crazy. Uh, I, I pulled in yesterday and the grass is looking kind of ratty. So I, I tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to go mow grass and then I'll spend time in prayer. Or how many of you ladies have, have ever, and men, clean house too, so don't anybody out in the world get angry with me. But how many people have ever looked around their house and said, you know, uh, this house is just driving me crazy. Everything's cluttered. My house is dirty. So, uh, listen, I, I know that I have this devotional time with the Lord, but, but I, I'm going to go ahead and just clean this. If I can just clean this house up, then I'll have no distractions, and, and, then, and then I can have my devotion with the Lord. Amen. And see, we concern ourselves with, with certain things that really add no value to our lives while we neglect the things in life that are needful. <laughs> we, uh, on top of all that, we, we busy ourselves with, with things. And, and then on top of that, Brother Caden, we place this false value on these things. These things that, that they don't add anything to our lives. They don't really bless us in any way. They're, they're not going to make life better for us. But we put these false values on that and, and we even tend to stress out about those things. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I do that sometimes. I, uh, uh, my, my garage needs cleaned. <laughs> And, and when I walk out in the garage, Sister Lisa, I'm, I'm stressed out. Because I'm like, oh, this garage needs cleaned. 
Amen. Is there anybody here this morning and your garage is in perfect shape? No, okay. All right. But there's all these things that we place this false value on. You say, well, we're going to go ahead and get this done. We, we stress out over it, but, but it adds so little value to our lives. And in the end, brothers and sisters, we wind up neglecting the one thing that is truly needful. In our opening story this morning, Martha had that dilemma. She had that same dilemma. In verse 40, it says that, that Martha was cumbered about much serving. She was cumbered. That word cumbered in the Greek comes from the Greek word uh, perispeo, which means distracted. And so in our opening scriptures, we find that Martha was so distracted trying to wait on others. Jesus and His disciples had come into the house, and, 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 and so Martha looked around the house and she said, Oh my goodness, my house is a mess. Oh, oh, my kitchen's a mess. I haven't done the dishes. The master's in the house. The disciples are here. The apostles are, are, are here with them. And so Martha was running around and, and she was doing up the dishes and she was sweeping the floor and she was getting everything ready. And there were some things out of place over here. There was some dust on the knickknack over here. And so she was, she was so wanting everything to be perfect that she was distracted from the one thing in the room that really mattered. Or let me say it this way, Martha was placing so much value on making everything perfect, she was neglecting the one thing in the room that could perfect her. She was so worried about things being undone that she neglected the one thing in the room, the only thing in the room that could make her whole. And this isn't exclusive to, to Martha, we do that same thing. We do that in our busy lives. We place this, this, uh, this value on things, brothers and sisters, that are temporary. Things that only bring us a moment of satisfaction. Now let me talk to guys here for a second. Maybe I'm the only weird person that does this. <laughs> I probably am the only weird person. I hope, I hope I'm not. When you guys do clean your garage or you mow your grass, now when I mow my grass, my yard... Man, I do the weed eating, uh, the edging in the front of my flower beds, uh, like the grass is killed around it. I got this nice little dirt line that goes around it. And I, and, and, but when, if, I, if I do a job, are there any fellows in the house this morning, you finish that job and then you walk away from it, do you ever come back a little while later and look at it again? Man, that is nice. I did a good job on that. I'll tell you how often... <laughs> I'll tell you how it works with me. Sister Puckett, after I mow the grass, what do you typically hear me say about two or three times after I get it done? <laughs> if, 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 I, if we get in the car after I've mowed and weed eat it and we're pulling out, because I, you know, I do the whole Scott's Turf Builder and stuff on the yard, if we're pulling out, I'll stop in the middle of the street and I'll say, man, that is a finely manicured lawn right there. Because... Hey, brothers, we take pride in doing a good job in things. Hey, man, I'm not talking about sinful pride. I don't care if my yard looks better than anybody else's. Actually, all my neighbors do a really good job taking care of their yards. Hey, man. But, but we place this value on things that's only temporary. Uh, now, I'm thankful, Brother Larry, that I've, I haven't had to mow my grass in three weeks. 
That's awesome. But I'm thankful every week that I do have to mow, that I get out, I get the exercise, I get the sunlight. Amen? I'm thankful because God's the one that gave me the house. God's the one that gave me the yard. I'm not going to uh, complain about the blessings of God. But sometimes we place a whole lot of value on things that's just temporary. I like the way the yard looks, but next week I'm going to have to mow it. That weed eating, that mowing, whatever it is. Oh, Lord have mercy. I've cleaned my garage so many times. And somehow, I don't know how, Sister Wilma, but somehow it always ends up looking like it did before I cleaned it. I have no idea. I don't know if I have little elves or something that, like the, 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 the Keebler, I don't know. Maybe they go in there and mess my garage up. Certainly couldn't be me, right? But we place all of this value on things that's just temporary. We stress out about those things. Amen. And we're looking for that moment of satisfaction in the temporary. And sometimes if we're not careful, it means that we neglect the things that are eternal. We place so much value in the things that are temporary that we neglect the things that are eternal. That was Mary's or Martha's dilemma. She was so worried about everything being perfect for the Master that she was neglecting the Master Himself. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 14. Here's what the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back over 16 there. He said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Apostle Paul was preaching to the church and he was saying, church, you need to wake up and you need to walk carefully. He said, he said, don't walk as fools. In other words, he said, don't spend your time carelessly. He said, redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. That word redeem, it means to buy up, to ransom. He said, church, he said, wake up and take full advantage of the time that you've been giving. Why? given. Why? Because the days are evil. Amen. I do not have to search very far, Sister Sharon, to see that I'm living in evil days. Amen. I don't have to scroll very far on my news feed to see that there is not just a little bit of evil or evil being done behind the scenes. Amen. But there is rampant evil being perpetrated in our world right now. Brothers and sisters, Perilous times aren't coming. We are living in perilous times. And what I've come to preach to you to the, this day is what the Lord has given me. Amen. Is that in the days that we are living in right now, we can't afford to spend our time carelessly. Amen. We can't afford to just give ourselves and place false value on things that are temporary, all the while neglecting the things that are eternal. Paul said, redeem the time, because the days are evil. Let me give you some examples this morning. You see, there's a lot of things 
a lot of bad things that happen when the church gets cumbered about temporary things. There's a lot of things, brothers and sisters, that happen when the church becomes distracted. Amen. When we become like Martha instead of Mary, there's a lot of things that we put emphasis on that's only temporary. Sometimes within churches, we get wrapped up in in programs. We think that the only way a church is going to uh, succeed is if we have the right programs in place. And all the while, we neglect the prayer rooms. Sometimes we think that the only thing that's going to cause a church to be successful is how much flair and fanfare can we get. Amen. And yet we spend so little time, amen, actually seeking the face of the Lord in the church. We worry about... Thank you, Brother Caden. We worry about the church becoming seeker-friendly. We worry about the church being relevant. That's the reason sometimes now, brothers and sisters, you look at certain churches and you can't tell where the world ends and where the church begins. Amen. Because they're trying to be relevant to the world. And so we come up with all of these new tricks and these methods for attracting people. Amen. But we get distracted with those things. And bad things happen, brothers and sisters, when we become distracted with the temporary. Amen. And we forget about the eternal. Amen. Let me tell you some of the things that happen when the church gets cumbered. When the church gets distracted. Here's the things that happen. Amen. Suicide becomes the number two killer of children ages 12 to 19 when the church becomes distracted. Divorce rates and broken families become the rule and not the exception when the church becomes distracted. Fornication or sex outside of marriage, people living and cohabitating together outside the Word of God becomes the normal and not the exception when the church is cumbered. Out-of-wedlock birth rates increase. There are some ethnicities in the United States where the out-of-wedlock birth rates are over 70%. That's what happens, brothers and sisters, when the church of the living God becomes distracted. The sanctity of marriage. Something that God Himself created and God ordained. Amen. And He created them male and female. The sanctity of marriage is defiled when laws are passed and states begin forcing religious institutions to recognize marriages between men and men and women and women. That's what happens when the church becomes distracted. And then you have countries like Canada and the UK where young, confused people, young men who believe that they're ladies and young ladies who believe that they're men, amen, where the government oversteps and begins administering hormone replacement therapy even against the wishes of their parents. Lawlessness running rampant in our country Today, it seems like nobody's stopping it. It really does. It really does. It seems like nobody's stopping it. Amen. You have mass exoduses right now of people that are leaving certain cities and certain states because the government won't protect them. 
Amen. The law enforcement's hands are tied. Amen. There are people running around, and I hate to use this term, but when I see some of the videos that are going on in the world today, I don't necessarily see people running around. I see people running around acting like brute beasts. Because you know what? Human beings have a shred of compassion and love for one another, a shred of caring for one another. But I see people that don't care about anything but doing damage. They don't care about anything but hurting people. Amen. There is a lawlessness, a spirit of Antichrist that is working in the world today. Amen. And if the church doesn't wake up, and if the church doesn't begin praying, and if the church doesn't begin calling on the name of the Lord, then we're going to get sucked into every snare that's being perpetrated in the world today. Amen. I can't believe the amount of churches that I see that's getting caught up in all the socio-political things going on in the world today and aligning themselves with movements that are absolutely anti-biblical. Not this church. Not this church. You say, well, pastor, that's easy for you to say we're in Brookville. That's a very conservative community. I promise you right now, there are United Pentecostal churches in those liberal areas that are standing up right now and saying in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not going to happen in this church. Amen. But that's what happens when the church becomes distracted. That's what happens when churches begin focusing on everything except the one thing in the room that matters, brothers and sisters. Hey man, you hear me this morning. I'm the guy speaking. I'm the guy with the microphone and in the pulpit. Hey man, but our attention shouldn't be on me this morning. But our attention has to be on the only one in the... Pastor can't make you whole. I can't heal you. I can't deliver you. I can't turn the direction of your life. But there's one in the room right now that is able to do it. And if we can't get our eyes off the temporary things of the world and consecrate ourselves to Him, we're not going to make it. Because we neglect the needful things. We neglect the needful things. Oh, hear me this morning, brothers and sisters. I want this church to have revival. But revival doesn't happen without the church. It happens within the church. Revival happens, Sister Wilma, when we begin reconsecrating ourselves to prayer. Revival happens, hey man, when we, when we allow the Spirit of God to bring conviction into our hearts and we say, God, I don't care how foolish I'm going to feel or how embarrassing this is going to be. I'm going to do what you want me to do. When prayer meetings, Sister Joyce, become something that the old timers did, <laughs> when you have to have lights and Fog machines and all that funny stuff to get the anointing because you lack the real thing. When fire and brimstone preaching is replaced, when the pulpits are taken off the platform and it's being replaced by a little bar stool and a table and a Bible and we're having Jesus talks instead of the preacher preaching us out of hell, hey man, then we've neglected the needful things.
When scrolling Facebook is more important than flipping the pages of your Bible. When you will willingly give yourselves to hours of TV watching, but it kills you to pray longer than 10 minutes. When you have no problem criticizing the pastor, and you have no problem talking about a brother or a sister in the church, hey man, but you won't bend your knee to pray for any of them, then we have neglected the needful things, brothers and sisters. When our attitude, and I thank God that I, I don't really see this much in this church, but when our attitude towards laboring for the things of God isn't, isn't what can I do, but somebody else will take care of it. When we love to be blessed, but we never think about blessing others. When we eat out nine times a week and drop a $5 bill in the offering plate, we have neglected the needful things. I want us to understand. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this way? I'm preaching, brothers and sisters, because we're storing some things up in heaven right now. We're storing some things not in the temporary, but in the eternal. Hey man, probably some of us here this morning, you got 401ks. You've been investing. You're preparing for the future. Maybe you got a savings account. You got a specific goal, some things you're saving for. And that's all good. That's, that, that's fine. But brothers and sisters, when it comes to the things of the spiritual, hey man, lay not up for yourselves those things in the earth. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. He said, but lay up for yourselves, hallelujah, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break for or break through nor steal. Hey Amen. Brothers and sisters, when we place too much value on the temporary, then we're just laying things up. Brother Larry, that's corruptible. Hey, let me tell you something, Brother Larry. I, I hope when you retire, I hope you have a million dollars in your 401k. But when God calls you home, you can't take any of it with you. <laughs> Brother Braden said he's close to retirement. Hey, man. Hey, man. I, 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 I hope everybody in this church is blessed. Hey man, if God blesses you with a brand new truck, hey man, I, I, am, I am really truly happy for you. If God blesses you with a, with a brand new bass boat, I'm truly happy for you. But the fact of the matter is, hey man, these are things that are temporal. Hey man, that truck is going to rust one of these days. The engine's going to fail one of these days. Hey man, that bass boat, it's going to need some work one of these days. Hey man, because all of these things are temporary. But Jesus said, don't worry about laying up treasures on the earth. He said, but you and I, we need to be storing up treasures in heaven. Hey man, and those treasures can never be corrupted. In other words, it's okay to invest in the temporal or the temporary. But brothers and sisters, what we really need to be focusing on, hey man, is what we are investing in in the eternal. Hey man, let me tell you something. Every time you go to God in prayer, oh, you're investing something in the eternal. 
Every time you open your book and you pray and you say, Jesus, speak to me through this Word, you are investing in the eternal. Every time I take this pulpit and preach to you what I feel God has given, I am investing something in the eternal. Every time you give somebody a church card, amen, or you invite somebody to a Bible study, you are laying up treasures in heaven. You are investing in things, amen, that are never going to be corrupted, that will never grow old, that will never wither away. So what is it? What is it? What do we truly need today? Martha, Martha couldn't figure it out, but Mary, Mary got it. Mary nailed it from the very beginning. Martha couldn't see because of the temporal, but Mary got it. You see, while the Scripture describes Martha as being cumbered or distracted, it, it describes Mary like this, verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. And the Bible says that when Martha raised a fuss about it, here's Martha, she's running around. She's trying to get everything perfect. Oh, the Master's in the house. Ooh, the Master's in the house. Oh, Brother Joel, we're never going to have revival until we get some more decorations on the walls. We're never going to have revival in, until, until we get something on this wall. We're never going to have revival until we get the right flags hanging out there in, in the yard. And I'm not preaching against any of those things. We're never going to have revival in, until we have the right ministries in place. See, we can run around in the church... And we can become distracted with everything, amen, that is only going to work in the temporal. But brothers and sisters, it's when we witness to somebody outside the walls of this church, like I said in the beginning of this service, and we tell them, hey, this is where I was headed, and this was what was going on in my life. Oh, but I met a man named Jesus. I met a, I met a God who had mercy on me, amen, and He didn't just change my circumstances. He changed my life! That's when we're investing in the eternal. That's what's needful. And you see, Martha, she couldn't get it. She was running around. Oh, we got to make everything perfect for the Master. And hear me this morning. We need to take the work of the Lord here on this property. This is God's house. This ain't Pastor Puckett's house. We need to take everything we do here and we need to do it with excellence. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but what I'm saying is if we get too cumbered about and saying, oh, oh, we're never going to have revival until we have this and, and we need that and, and we got to add all this and we neglect the needful things. We can't have revival until we get better decorations. Hey man, but we don't spend any time in pre-service prayer. We're never going to have revival until the, until the flower bed outside gets redone. Oh, oh. But we're not seeking God. We're not witnessing outside the church. You see, brothers and sisters, we can put value on temporary things. Amen. While we neglect the one thing that's needful. And so Martha, she's running around. She's trying to get everything ready. And then she's getting frustrated. She's looking at her sister. Mary. Jesus, you see all this work? You see how I'm just about ready to pull my hair out? And there's, 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 there's Mary. 
She hasn't left your side since, since you came in. And you see, she left me to do all the work. <laughs> and then Jesus set her straight. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You got a lot of stuff on your mind, Martha. I've been watching you since I sat down. You've been running around here like a chicken with its head cut off. Verse 42, he says, Martha, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. He said, Martha, I appreciate all of the work that you're doing, but you've neglected the one thing that will change your life. You've neglected the one thing that can perfect you. You've neglected the one thing that can make you whole. He said, Martha, there's one thing that's needful. And that's for you to put aside all of the distractions. That's for you to put all of the cares of this life. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. That's for you to take everything that you walked in here with. Everything that you were fearful about. Everything, amen, that was taking up your thoughts and occupying your mind. Take all of those things and cast them off to the side. Because there's one thing in this church that's needful. And Mary, Mary had it right. Jesus said, she just came and sat at my feet and listened to me. I'm closing this morning. No doubt, when you woke up this morning, there was things on your mind. We all have troubles. Every one of us in this church this morning, we have troubles. Is there anybody here this morning, you got no trouble in your life at all? Okay, because I, I was, I want, I'm going to go come off the platform and shake your hand and ask you, how do you do it? But no doubt, and this is the way that the devil works, and he'll do it on Sunday morning, Sister Sharon. You wake up, it's church day. It's time to worship the Lord. Amen. It's the day that we give to God. But you wake up and immediately the devil attacks your mind with things that you've been worrying about. He may attack your mind with fear. He may attack your mind with your finances or your job. But he'll get you distracted first thing in the morning. Amen. So that you're not thinking about what God wants to do today. I woke up this morning. Had a song on my heart. I was thankful for it because I don't always wake up that way. Sometimes I wake up, Brother Joel, and there's things on my mind. Amen. And one of the first things I do in the morning is pray. And so I don't want to walk into my kitchen to, to, to pray with my mind being on these temporary things. Brothers and sisters, life is temporary. Amen. Life is temporary. James said in James chapter 4 and verse 14, he says this. He says, whereas you know what shall be on the tomorrow. Ain't, not, ain't, ain't one of us here this morning. We, don't, we have no idea. We think we know what tomorrow is going to bring. We may have plans for tomorrow. We may have an agenda for tomorrow. But the truth of the matter is, Sister Wilma, you don't really know what's in tomorrow. It hasn't happened yet. He says, you know not what shall be on tomorrow. The morrow. For what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Brothers and sisters, whether you live 70, 80, 90, 100 years, if the Lord tarries, I pray that you do. But in the grand scheme of things, our life is just a vapor. Hey man, we're here today. We're gone tomorrow. And so we need to redeem the time. We need to focus on the one thing in our life that is needful and that's on the Lord Jesus. As a church, we need to focus on the one thing that's needful. Hey man, and that's about taking this church forward. That's about reaching our community. Hey man, oh I'm telling you this morning, it's about seeing people delivered. Hey man, not from their circumstances, but it's about seeing people's lives completely turned around. But we'll never do that if we don't focus on the one thing in the room that's needful. Hey man, brothers and sisters, when we come into this place, I want you to leave your cares at the door. Whatever the enemy has been nagging your mind and occupying your thoughts with, leave it at the door and walk in here and determine in your heart, I'm going to focus on the Master. I'm going to focus on the one thing in the room that has all of the answers that I don't have. All of the things that I've been worried about, He already has the answers. Oh, if I could just focus on the needful things. I don't have the Scripture, but Jesus said this. He said, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. In another scripture, he said this, he says, which one of you taking thought can add one cubit of stature to your height or change the color on one hair of your head? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, listen, really in the grand scheme of things, brothers and sisters, we really don't have that much control over our lives. We really don't. So Jesus said this, he said, why are you worried about the temporary things that you can't fix? How many times have you been worried and you worried yourself sick over something that you had absolutely no power to change the outcome of? Every one of us have done that. But Jesus said, listen, you need to worry about, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. He said, but today, keep your eyes upon me. As I close this message out, my prayer for this church, amen, is that every day, Every day, brothers and sisters, if, if we've been putting too much emphasis on the temporary, oh God, help us this morning. My God, if, we, if, if our time is being stolen, God, if we have placed too much emphasis, Lord, on the temporary, God, I pray, Lord, over this church, God, in the Holy Ghost, Lord, help us, God, to reconsecrate ourselves to the one thing that's needful. You're not going to be able to change tomorrow. You're going to have an agenda just like I did for 2020. I had an agenda for this church. Amen. But God had a different plan. How many believes this morning that God still has a plan for this church? Amen. He does. He does. And I promise you, I promise you before the Lord this morning that I am seeking God for that vision. I am praying that God gives me that vision. Sister Sharon, I'm not moving this church until the cloud moves. I'm not moving this church until the pillar of fire moves. I can't be out of the will of God or I'll lead every one of us out of the will of God. But I want to focus on what's needful. I want to focus on what's needful. And so whatever your distractions may be, 
Amen. Maybe you've thought about some things. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's TV. Amen. Anything that's keeping you from Jesus. All of the things that we've put all of the emphasis on in the world today that's just temporary. A year from now, it's not going to matter. But today, everybody say today. Today, Jesus. Jesus is what matters today. Jesus is what's going to matter tomorrow. Oh, His presence is in this place. Would you lift your hands right now? Oh, would you let the Lord... Oh, come on, would you just pray right now? Oh, Jesus... Oh God, whatever, Lord, whatever we've been cumbered about, God, whatever's been the distractions in our lives, Lord, I pray, I pray, God, that you would reveal it to us. Oh God, the things, Lord, that we have been cumbered about, God. Oh God, as we've neglected the one thing that's needful. I pray right now, God. I pray that you would reveal it, God, to every mind and every heart. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that your spirit move, Lord. God, that we would rededicate our lives, Lord. Oh, to seeking after the one thing that's important. The one thing that's needful. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, you hold tomorrow in your hand, oh, God. You hold next week in your hand. Oh, God, I pray right now, Jesus. Help us. Help us, God, I pray, to focus on what's in the room with us right now. Help us, God, to focus, Lord, on what Your Spirit is trying to do this morning. Help us to focus, I pray, God, on the one thing that's needful. God, that You would have Your way, I pray. God, in every heart, in every family in this church, God, that You would have Your way, Lord, through this church and this community. Oh, in the name of Jesus, God, I open my heart. I pray, speak to me today. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before we dismiss this morning, I just want to say I read that prophecy this morning not as... uh, a means to scare anyone. I don't want to do that. But at the same time, if that's what it takes to pull anybody's feet out of the fire, then the Bible says, let us save by fear. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you right now, there is a shaking, and I I preached on this uh, two weeks ago, I think. There is a shaking going on in the world right now. Amen. And God is shaking the earth and he's shaking the heavens and the bible says that those things that can be moved they're going to be moved out of the way amen but please hear your pastor this morning there's only one way brothers and sisters you're not going to be moved oh 2020 has been has been mad it's been crazy uh, pandemic fear political discourse and, and listen we haven't even made it to the the election yet if if president trump wins we're almost guaranteed things are going to be a whole lot worse than they are right now. Amen. Oh, God, help us. The only way we're not going to be moved, the Bible says that there's a day coming when men's hearts will fail them for fear. Hey, man, can you imagine that brother Joel becoming so overcome with fear that your heart, you just go into cardiac arrest. 
because of what is going to happen in the earth. Amen. And so you say, Pastor, how, how, how are we going to withstand that? I'm going to tell you how you're going to do it. Hey, man, you're going to start seeking God in prayer like you never have. You're going to pray like you never have. Hey, man, you need to look at your prayer life and say, okay, maybe I pray every day. But let me ask you this question, and I'm going to leave you with this. I promise I'm closing, but I have such a burden on my heart for you this morning. You know, by reading this book, you know of God. But let me ask you this question this morning. Do you know God. Sister Sharon, that's the question. We can read the Bible and know of God, but we can't know God. There's a difference. There's a difference. We can't know God unless we're willing to give ourselves to Him. Every day, this is my prayer time. I'm going to pray until I'm in His presence. I'm going to seek His face. That literally means in Scripture, seek His presence. I'm going to seek His face until His presence is so thick in the room and then I'm just going to open my heart and I'm going to allow Him to do whatever He needs to do. Brothers and sisters, that's the kind of prayer where you're going to come to know Him. Some of us this morning, we've already said, just as I said, that maybe the thought crossed your mind, but I'm so busy. That's the devil. And I don't give that knucklehead any credit for anything. But that's the devil. Oh, I'm too busy. You know what? If you're too busy in the morning, get up an hour earlier. Get up an hour earlier to pray. Take a certain... time out of your day and say, this is the time, Sister Wilma, this is the time I'm going to get alone with Jesus. Put your phone out of the room, turn off all of the distractions, and you, you go in that room by yourself, Sister Wilma, but don't come out until there's two. That's the only way we're going to make it, brothers and sisters. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be full of the Word of God, amen, or as God continues to shake the things in the heavens and in the earth, oh God, oh, we're going to be moved out of the way. Oh, Jesus, help us this morning. Help us this morning. Come on, would you lift your hands one more time? Would you just pray one more time and ask the Lord to help you this morning? Oh, Jesus, my God, my God, I've got to be closer to you. Lord, I've got to be more consecrated. God, I've got to take steps, Lord, that I've never taken. Oh, God. Oh, I can't be moved, Lord, in the times that are coming. Oh, Jesus, but I've got to know you better. God, I pray, help me, Lord. Help me, God, to get the temporary things. Help me, God, to get the things that steal my time, Jesus. I pray, help me, God, to get everything, Lord, that hinders my mind and my spirit. It keeps me away from you. I pray, help me to get it out of my life. Oh, God, I pray this morning, God, give us all a deeper prayer time. Give us all a deeper life of prayer. God, I pray by the Holy Ghost, help us to have a fresh consecration, Jesus. Oh, I pray this morning, God, over each and every member of this church and for those to come. Oh, God, help us to know you. Help us to know you, Lord, and not just know of you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray, I thank you this morning.
Everybody said amen. Amen. You are dismissed this morning in Jesus' wonderful name.